0: Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give it up for Gap Worship this morning. Can we just thank God? Thank you so much. Um, How many of you are excited to be in God's presence today? Y'all too quiet for me. How many of us are excited to be in God's presence today? I was saying in the first service, are we not blessed to be in a house where day after day, Sunday after Sunday, we receive fresh oil? If you know that you have learned and grown much spiritually in the Gap Church this year, I want you to give God a praise right now. Yeah, it's not for me, but I want you to give the one who has taught you much this year, who has saved you from yourself, who has deposited his spirit. Come on, you guys are too dignified this morning. You know what you knew at the beginning of this year and where you are now. It can only be God. I always look at this scripture that for years, for decades, the same Bible, the Holy Spirit keeps dividing the word of truth. It is not an ordinary thing. There's some churches you go to, you know, they Google the sermon. Come on. But by the grace of God, the anointing is flowing in this house. Let's quickly pray. Merciful Father, we thank you so much for this moment, O Lord. Lord God Almighty, I stand behind the cross right now and remove myself from the equation. Holy Spirit, have your way. Father God, take full control. Use the activity of my limbs, my voice, O Lord, to execute this word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So if you're joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time, we have been in a series called... Again, y'all are too quiet for me this morning. We have been in a series called... And today is the last week, unfortunately, of community saying, oh. And this last few weeks, we've learned so much about what community is, how we also should relate with the global community. But today, we are going to learn how to deal with ourselves. The title of today's message is Navigating Conflict. Oh, y'all are too quiet for me. Navigating Conflict. I want you to tell two people... I'm not talking about nuck if you buck. I'm talking about navigating conflict. I'm gotta say the whole thing. So why don't you say it this way? I'm not talking about how to start it. I'm tying it, I'm talking about how to fix it. How about that? You guys are gonna talk by fire by force today. <laughs> So I told him in the first service, I'm going to be in my worst behavior today because you don't give me a title like this and we're not just going to go for it. So permit me to be non-politically correct sometimes because I'm going to be biblically correct. Conflict is a struggle or clash between opposing forces. Whenever there's opposition or a clash, we see conflict. It is impossible as believers for us to expect to be in the same church and not have problems and not have conflict. It is impossible for you to be a part of any community and not have problems. And unless you are, what is the game, what is that video game they always play? Unless you build your own Sims life, in a perfect world, a utopic society, where people don't have emotions, attitudes, and preferences, you can never ha- not have conflict. So really, I want to teach you and equip you today how to navigate in, the, in, a, in a reality and in a space where conflict exists. Conflict impacts your worship. When you have conflict, it impacts the way you serve God. Conflict impacts your prayer life. Conflict impacts your mental health. It, it, impacts, it, it impacts your mental health. And when it grows with intensity and it is left longer than it's supposed to, it can lead to irreparable damage. So this, what I want you to understand is when you have a problem in the church, when you have a problem with a brother or sister of Christ, when left unattended, it has the ability to not just destroy. But have you ever seen something? Have you ever seen something that's gotten broken? You can fix it, right? Have you ever seen something that when it's destroyed, typically when it's destroyed, it becomes unrecognizable? It cannot be fixed. What I'm telling you is the conflicts we have, if not attended to quickly and appropriately, can become unrepairable. Let's go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5. This is a long passage, 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 to 14, but we'll hop around here because we have a lot to get into today. The Bible says, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man, and with his master accepted and acceptable, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Tell somebody, but But. he was a leper. Verse 2. The Syrians had gone out in bands and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Verse 3. She said to her mistress, would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria? For he would heal him of his leprosy. Let's stop there. We have Naaman, a great man of influence. Somebody who is recognized in his field. Somebody who is respected and adored. And despite all his accolades and everything that he has, he has leprosy. If you're unfamiliar with leprosy, it was a very ugly skin disease. Typically, lepers did not associate directly with people. They could not have intimate relationships. They could not be in proximity with people that didn't have leprosy. In fact, people who were lepers were subjected to a leper's colony. They were literally subjected and placed away based off of the impediment. And we have Naaman here who, for whatever reasons, has overridden all the circumstances of his leprosy. He's risen to the top. He's a commander of his army. He even got married while he had leprosy. He has a a swarm of people following him. He has servants. But the Bible says that was his butt. And in the midst of his victories, he received the gift. Typically back then, whenever you defeated an army, you received slaves as a way of a compensation. And one of them was a servant. We're going to skip down all the way to verse nine. This servant girl said, you know, I like you, my master, but I think that I know a solution to solve your leprosy. So verse nine, we see that the solution is that Naaman is supposed to go to the prophet Elisha. The Bible says, so Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stopped at Elisha's door. Verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall also be restored and you shall be clean. Verse 11, but Naaman was angry and went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leper. Let's stop there. I want us to use this scripture and bring it to the context of our times. Everybody in here has a but that is bringing them into the presence of God. You know what you were before you came here. You know what you used to do, the addictions you had, the tendency you had, the attitude you had, the issues you had, the brokenness of your family and you know what it means to be connected into a church community you know what it's done for you there's a butt that keeps you coming to the well and naaman had a butt and even though he had access to many things we could you could have gone to any church down the street but you came here bible says that he went to the prophet and here's what happened the prophet said you got to wait let me tell you something God will never come down from heaven to answer your prayers. He will always use people. That's the issue with us in conflict. He does you don't understand that when you're in conflict with people, you can be in conflict with the solution to your prayers. You can have some of you have an attitude problem and that's why your prayers haven't been answered because the people next to you have the ability to support you and take you through the next season, but because you stir up conflict and strife, nobody can help you. And if you're listening to this message, I don't want you to be thinking about um, Lag Baja point, person A, B, C, D, who can I, who this message is for. No, this message is for you. You have the ability, and I've probably done it even when you were coming in here to stir up conflict. So I want you to understand something that God will not come down from heaven to deal with your prayer point. He will always send people. Naaman, like I said, he was the commander of an army. He was a great man. He had leprosy, But we have to understand that the solution of Naaman came from within his own community. It took the servant that he was paying, right? Or rather, that was in his cohort to bring forth the solution. But, unfortunately... He didn't like the way Elisha responded. Elisha told him, go and dip your, the Bible says he sent a messenger to go and dip. Some of us in here, we don't like the response we get from the individuals in the church. We have an issue, we come to them, we have a solution, but we don't like the way it's presented. So what we do is deflect. Oh, well, no, I thought it was gonna be done a certain way. The Bible says that he sent a messenger, go and dip yourself in the river seven times. And he said, no, I thought you was gonna come out here and lay hands, and make a big demonstration, and do a public thing for me to show me that your God is real. So many times we come in this church, and guess what, our number one problem when it deals with navigating conflict is we often have offense due to our unmet expectations. We are offended because we have an expectation of something going one way, and it's not been met. Not, let me tell you, the funny thing is that the person that you're offended at isn't the person that has the ability to meet your expectation, only you do. But yet, we put it on them. Second reason why we have difficulty navigating or we have issues navigating conflict, rather, second thing I want you also to understand about navigating conflict is found in the book of Matthew chapter five, verse 21 to 24. I love this scripture, Matthew chapter five, verse 21 to 24. I have so much to cover here. So I just want us to get into this scripture. It says, But now you have heard that people are told in the past, do not commit murder. Anyone who does will be brought to trial. Verse 22 But now I tell you, if you are angry with your brother, you will be brought to trial. If you call your brother, you're good for nothing. You'll be brought before the council. And if you call your brother a worthless fool, you'll be in danger of going to the hellfire. So if you're about to offer your gift to God at the altar, There should, if you're about to offer your gift to the God at the altar, there you remember that your brother has something against you, verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar, go at once and make peace with your brother, and then come back and offer your gift to God. Let me tell you something, this is is such a big deal. God would much rather you take your offering that you're about to give him, go deal with the conflict you have, and then give it back. That means that sometimes God is not accepting our offering when we're in conflict with people. Why that is so important is if we look at Naaman, we don't have a lot of time to get into this scripture. Naaman brought gifts to give Elisha. Elisha, never, he didn't take the gifts. He much rather wanted to give him a greater gift, right? But in that moment, He wanted him to understand that the way that you're desiring this breakthrough is not the way you're going to get it. And that's another message for another day. But I want us to understand that. Holy Spirit, help me. Verse 24, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go at once and make peace with your brother. Then come back and offer your gift to God. Let me tell you, God does not joke. You cannot expect to be in conflict with people and accept that God will accept your offering. I want us to get that straight. Because a lot of times we're believing God for breakthrough. We saying, yes, Lord, take my seed. It's been a rough year, 2023. But you still have unforgiveness and strife with people. And you're in the same church. You're in the same church with them. It is impossible to exist in a community without conflict. But some of us, we see the conflict and we do either two things. We either avoid it or we confront it incorrectly. I want to ask you something while navigating conflict is the hurt you're experiencing church hurt or you hurt is it church hurt or you hurt most times we take our personal issues with people and we make it a church problem oh i don't i'm not gonna go to that church mm, she goes there mm, it can't be good what that gotta do with you it's the god we're serving some of you you won't come to service because you have a problem with somebody you'll be avoiding them that you know they come to second service and they normally drive into the parking lot at this time. So what you do is you come to first service. Oh, hi, bye and you leave so that you don't meet them. Come on now, let's talk. We have to talk about these things. I didn't even I didn't even write this in my notes but Holy Spirit was telling me earlier that do you know that God uses conflict to test you? To test your loyalty to sit you like weight He brings conflict intentionally to grow you. Some of you, you've been praying, God, I want to be pruned. I want to be refined. White fire. Oh, the finer. You know, you've been singing that song. I want to be refined. I want to be pruned. And God sends you conflict. and And what he's trying to do is prune and deal with your attitude problem. But you can't even pass the test because any little thing bothers you and you're holding malice. The conflict is supposed to make you better. want you to understand number five. Unresolved conflict damages a ministry. What I say? Unresolved conflict damages a ministry. Bible tells us in James chapter 1 verse 19. The Bible says you should be quick to listen and slow to speak or to get angry. Let me tell you when we're resolving conflict the scripture tells us that when you have conflict you need to bring a mediator to deal with it. I'm talking about biblical conflict, right, or biblical resolution. The Bible tells us this point, A person, A has a problem, person B problem, you bring in a neutral party to deal with it. How many of us are even humble enough to allow another person to talk to us? Let's be honest. Or what we would rather do is, oh, I'm not going to deal with that. We would rather pick a person that will side with us. And the scripture does not say go and find somebody who is going to be on your side to help you fight. Let me actually ask a question. What really is the outcome of what you desire in conflict when you're trying to resolve it? What really? Are you trying to fight to finish? Or are you trying to fight and resolve the issue to move on? I have a point on here that says that what we need to do is not to seek, not just to seek to resolve an issue, but to reconcile. A lot of us, we struggle with that because we have said so many negative things about the person, thought so many dark and negative things about them, and we just can't picture a reality where we're on the same page again. That's the honest truth. And so we would much rather take our pride, stamp on the person, get it all out, say what we want to say, and then put our hands up. Meanwhile, you just destroyed You've just caused unity, you've just caused disunity. This is, how, this is how conflict damages ministry. This thing doesn't just happen overnight. You, the Holy Spirit can be flowing, the Lord could have provided a gorgeous building, we could have great ministers of God, and then the little conflicts in the sanctuary, around the congregation, begins to cause issues. When you're navigating conflict, you must stop the outside chatter. When I was looking in the scripture, I love this scripture. It talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 6-4. Good news translation, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 6-4. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6-4, it says, If such matters come up, are you going to take them to be settled to people who have no standing in the church? Shame on you. Surely there's at least one wise person in your fellowship who can settle a dispute between fellow Christians. Instead, one Christian goes to court against another and let unbelievers judge the case. The very fact that you have legal disputes amongst yourselves shows that you have failed completely. Would it not be better for you to be wronged? Would it not be better for you to be robbed? The Lord is saying that some of you who say you have irreconcilable differences, and you're going to consult outside people who don't even, they did not do the 21 days of fasting with you. They did not prevail with you. They have not heard the messages you've heard. And you're not going and reporting people inside your church to outsiders. God forbid. The Bible says it's much better that you rob the person. That's what the scripture says. And I want to convict a lot of people in here who have problems with individuals in this church and they go outside to talk. It's not biblical. Check yourself. Are you looking for a yes man? Are you looking for a solution to resolve the problem? We need to check that. This is flesh we're dealing with. Flesh always wants to be right. Flesh doesn't want peace. Flesh wants problems. We always, we like to start stuff that don't even be real. (laughs) Make stuff worse than it really is. Let me tell you something. Like I said, (laughs) this one is interesting. When the Lord dropped this on my spirit. Said that when we're navigating conflict, we need to stop. We need to avoid venting. Venting. You ever call somebody, I just want to vent. I just want to get it off my chest. You know what I'm talking about. Someone offended you. I just need to get it off my, I just need to vent. Just hear me out. Give me like three minutes of your time. I just need to get it off my chest. What happens oftentimes is when we vent, right? You know, you all have that friend that you vent to. They can handle your venting. They'll be like, oh yeah, you right? hmm that's crazy. Uh. And after the conversation, what does it turn into gossip? A lot of us need to stop venting because all it does is, I'm going to tell you people, people that gossip are not busy. They're idle it's true the scripture says that idle hands are the devil's work workshop right people who gossip are busy if you know that there are gossipers in this church tell them maybe you should go to the volunteers training and start serving oh yes there's in the scripture if you see how the if you see how christians in the scripture are dealing directly with people we're not being mean but see, I notice that you have a lot of time on your hands and you're getting in stuff that you don't need to get to. Have you thought about serving? This is biblical. It's true. I notice that you're get, you, get, you get caught up in things a little easy. Have you ever thought about maybe stepping down from your position and spending some time with God? But we don't want to hear that because once the person tells us you now have a personal problem with them. Meanwhile, God sent them to convict you. That this person is getting, and it's all because of the love of God. Oh, this person is getting out of line too much. Let me bring them back. We need to stop avoiding, avoid venting. Some people are just, honestly, some people gossip and they vent and they have all these problems because they're trying to get attention. So they choose to be offended in order to get attention from people. And that brings me to a very sensitive point because I really had a hard time understanding this one. And I did not want to say this, but the Lord convicted me. When you're navigating conflict, I want you to understand something, that you need to visit childhood trauma. A lot of us come from broken homes or broken and incorrect situations. Let me make it very simple for you. Maybe you came from an environment where you're an economic immigrant and you did not have the emotional space with your parents to process your emotions. So you don't know how to process your emotions so for me, if somebody steps on my toes, I'll laugh it, but for me, somebody steps on my toes, they're out to get me. Because no one ever told you that stepping on your toes is a normal process, part of life. Am I, am I, are you tracking with me? A lot of us, in fact, research tells us that individuals that experience childhood traumas are five times likely to have relational problems. Five times likely to have relational trauma, or problems. I'm not talking about you were just, it's not about abuse. Trauma could be verbal. You were always shouted on. That was a form of communication. So now your form of communication is to get buck and shout. And you don't know where, and a lot of times God allows all these issues to come up in the church. Because Christians are supposed to have the capacity to help each other, to show love, to overlook things, to correct with love. The world does not have the capacity to correct you with love. There are major consequences out there for the same mistakes you make every day and people overlook it. If you dare yell at your co-worker, it's a harassment suit. True or false? But if you yell at me, I'll just be like, oh God, how messy on this person. Save them. And so if somebody is going to you directly like, hey, you always raise your voice and you're getting angry, it's the devil. Trying to sift you out of this place. Trying to sift you out of the place where you're receiving so much from God. It's like, oh, I just know that she, again, I don't know why I'm harping on this attitude problem thing. Because some of us, we just have an attitude problem. And a lot of it comes from our childhood. You you ever been, I don't know, some of us, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. We come from an environment where when things go wrong between our parents, they give us a silent treatment. And they don't talk to us for several days. We're going to go there. And so now you're an adult. And when someone upsets you, you give them the silent treatment. And you don't have the language to communicate that you're hurt. So you would rather be quiet in order to, to be able to make yourself seem bigger in a situation than you are. And make that person worry with anxiety that, oh, I don't know what they're thinking. And make them, you need to deal with these things. Let me tell you, as Christians, we need to pray. We need to read our word, but we also need to go to therapy. Is Jesus and therapy over here. I'm telling you. Because a lot of us, we don't have the tools, and we're broken, and we're bringing in those attitude problems and those issues in the church. And it's affecting the ministry. It's hard to move forward when you have people that don't know how to deal with their problems. Some of you, you're so inconsistent. That's because you've never seen a consistent example in your life. Your mom has hopped from one job to the next job to the next job. Your dad has done this. No one was ever around. One day your dad is in Ghana for three months. You've not seen him. No one has ever been consistent. This is the first time you've ever been consistent. This is the first community that has ever showed up for you. And you don't know how to handle it. Go read books. Go listen to podcasts. Get help. Don't just sit out here thinking that you can function with just prayer and fasting. We need to be balanced as Christians. In this day and age... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to save. Get busy and do work, internal work. One of the biggest things about conflict is it distracts you from your objective. The objective is salvation. The objective is also to grow in Christ. And when we have conflict, we can't accomplish it. Who wants to come to a church and get saved when there's always a problem? In fact, the way they hear about the church is because of the problems they have. And it starts with us quickly. The Lord was saying that there's a major character flaw <laughs> that needs to be addressed in conflict, and he told me that that character flaw is anger. Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter If we look at Proverbs 29:22, Matthew 5:22. He says that some anger that you have is actually unjustified. Now let me tell you there are key things. I won't have enough time to get into it, but there are key things I want you to write down and I want you to go back and pray and reflect on them. I want you to look at it. That yes, you might be justified and have a reason to be anger, angry. But the Bible says in Ephesians 4:26, be angry and do not sin. Number one, watch your intensity of anger when you're in conflict. The Bible says in Daniel chapter three, verse 13, that Nebuchadnezzar was in a rage and fury And that anger that he had at the moment, it turned into rage and fury, and what happens? He began to be destructive. Some of us, our anger intensity becomes so heavy that not only do you become angry at one person, your anger takes out a whole department. And it starts to become destructive, and it then ends relationships. Another thing, you need to look at the length of your anger. Why is it taking you so long to resolve this? Why haven't you come to one of the leaders and says, you know, I'm having this issue with this person, I don't know how to move forward. Bible says in Ephesians 4:26, "Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So many of us, many suns, have gone down on your wrath." Many moons ago is when you had this problem, and you're still holding it. Check the length of your anger. And lastly, I want you to be careful about the speed of your anger. Proverbs 14:17 says, "A quick-tempered man acts foolishly." Some of you, that's your problem. So quick. You're like a fire starter. Any little thing, you're ready to go. You need to check that. Where is that coming from? Yes, there might be spiritual things going on, but a lot of us also have traumas. Any little thing at them in your house, when you did this, they were always shouting on your head. And you two now, you're shouting on our heads. (laughs) It's true. Right? We need to really check it. A lot of us, as I'm telling you, I don't know why the Lord won't let me. A lot of us as immigrants, we need help. We have inherited a lot of poor emotional, uh, uh, emotional habits. We don't know how to communicate we don't look in fact you saw your parents friends when they started stirring up their anger and when they started having conflict and what they did was it was like it was like always a competition who has the nicest car who has the nicest house that's how they dealt with and you you don't think that you'll inherit that if you don't do something purposeful and i'm seeing it now in in the in the church oh this person didn't invite me so because of that you will not invite them why don't you address it that oh did my i'm not trying to be funny did my invitation get lost in the mail you know or you don't have to come like that but just you know like yeah I I just it really hurt I would have really liked to be there to celebrate you is there any way we can be intentional about our relationship so I can be there for you it does not take all that you don't have to now go to four or five different people how was the party well I wish I would have been invited I would have known right or even look at it a few weeks ago there was an ordination that happened some of you, you were like, ah, and I've been here from day one. How come, how come they didn't ordinate me? Am I not worthy? You, you're, all of you are looking now, but you don't know. Like some people said that that day. That they're not looking at it. I want you to check yourself. That, Lord, in what ways have I been inciting conflict? And in what ways have I, have I made a conflict? You know, there's some of you in this place, you've chased people out of this church because of your conflict. They love the Jesus you serve, but they can't serve with you. It's tough. Let me tell you, Christians, we will get through this. We will come on the other side in Jesus' name, but you cannot tolerate conflict. Last thing I want to share with you. PD was telling me the other day, and we were I was studying this scripture about I don't know if you've ever remember the scripture of Ananias and Sapphira in the scripture. Ananias and Sapphira were a couple, this is in Acts chapter 5. So, this is in the early church. They were a couple that decided to sell a land they had. They were going to use that land, they're going to sell that land that they had, and they were going to bring it to the church as a seed. The Bible says that within themselves, as husband and wife, they decided to lie, tell the church that they sold it for less than they really did. So, imagine you sold a land for $50,000, you told the church I was going to come sow a seed. Nobody begged you, you did it willingly. And then you said, well, Al, let's actually tell him, you know, we made a little bit more than we thought we was going to make. So let's just tell him that we sold it for twenty five thousand. So that's all we have to sell. So the husband came to the church first. Bible says that Peter said, oh, how much have you sown?" And he said, oh, you know, he gave the mount. And Peter said, why did you lie? And before you know it, in the middle of the church, the Bible says that Ananias sucked, struck down and he died. And the members, could you imagine front row, you had to now pick up a dead body and bury it. Three hours later, the wife came. And he now was saying, oh, he just thought, okay, let me ask the wife. How much money did you say exactly you and your husband sold this land for? And of course, she lied because she was in union with her husband. And he said, Peter said, I'm so sad to hear this. I just thought for once you would actually speak the truth. Just as your husband died, you two die. This is scripture. The same people. That drug his body, the husband out, drug the wife out and buried them next to The Bible says in the scripture that after that the church of God became very afraid. Were they afraid of Peter or were they afraid of God? They were afraid of God. Modern Christians will look at Peter now and say he's the one that's killing Christians. They would know that it was God's judgment. Let me tell you, when things are happening in church and you see people misbehave and suddenly detach, don't look at the leaders who rebuke them pray for their salvation because likely oh god this one it might be too deep for for sunday service Anu, when we of we don't understand that we most of the times we offend god through people do you understand we offend god through people the same way god is jealous about you is jealous about me too So we need to be very careful. We're using eye service to be serving God. We don't know that it's God that is looking at all of us. And I want you to use that word as a conviction today that Lord God, let me not look at myself when I come to serve you. Have mercy on me. Some of you, this is the first time you've heard the message Bible preached like this. Test it. Go and read it at home. I'm not lying. God will use people. To create conflict to see if you will survive it. He will use opportunities. He will create, he will create this tension amongst us to see who is going to survive it. The strength of a relationship comes through how they survive conflict. Look to reconcile, don't just look to end. Let's stand to our feet and begin to pray. I want you to look inside yourself this morning and begin to ask God for mercy. Lord God Almighty, I do not want to be the center of conflict. Have mercy on me. I don't want to stir up conflict. But Lord, if it comes, help me navigate it. You guys are not praying like you need God's help. We're in a generation now that they talk about church hurt. They're always coming down on the church. They don't know that individual problems is what's causing issues in the ministry. And I don't want any of you to be a part of it. Lord God, have mercy on me. Don't let my anger go through the night, Lord. Don't let the sun go down on my anger, Lord. Help me. Don't let me prolong addressing issues. Don't let the anger and the offense I have towards someone cause me to sin. Lord God, every spirit of retaliation and vengeance in me, Lord, destroy it. Anything in me that wants to destroy people, to make them feel hurt. Lord God, deal with it right now. Father God, I pray, oh Lord God, I want you to pray for yourself that if there's anyone in this atmosphere I have problems with, give me the boldness to address it. Give me the courage to go directly to them. Lord God, don't let me sleep on this another day. I want a resolution. If you're under the sound of my voice today and you have not yet given your life to Christ, I want you to know that now is a perfect moment to do that. Maybe you were in conflict with someone and you drifted away. If you have not given your life to Christ, I want to invite you to be a part of the kingdom of God. I want you to just step up right now and receive Christ. Maybe you have drifted away, you fell out with God and you're looking to reconcile and reconnect with him today. I want to invite you to come. Please come. just one minute i want you to speak in the language of the holy spirit if you know how and if you don't know how i want you to ask the holy spirit to come and enter you in we cannot resolve conflict without the help of the holy spirit right now i want you to begin to pray holy spirit help me speak in the language of the spirit saints why are we so quiet today let the holy spirit fill us up right now i did not just hear this word to go and tweet about it and talk about it without applying it to my life. Holy Spirit, take the word and set it on fire in my life. Make it make sense to me. Let it be a word that I refer to, Lord, so that I can get this walk right. And maybe you're here right now and your heart is broken. Maybe someone has really offended you and you're struggling to forgive them. I want you to pray for your heart. I want you to lay your hand on your heart. If you know that you're struggling to forgive someone, it's so hard to let this thing go. It doesn't matter how much, every time you see their, their page on Instagram, you just get hurt. Anytime you see them in public, you don't even, you can't you can't move past it. I want you to pray that God heals your heart and let helps you to let it go. Helps you to let it go. I want to let this go, Lord. I don't want to live with this hurt. I don't wanna live with this bitterness anymore. God, I don't want this. I don't want this conflict. I don't want all this pain. I hate that I feel like this about this person. God, help me to let it go. Help me to let it go. Father God, we've come as a community to you this afternoon. Lord God, thank you for teaching us this afternoon. Thank you for showing us how to live amongst ourselves God, we pray right now that you take this message, oh God, and make it make sense in our lives. Help us, oh Lord God, to walk in truth and walk in clarity. We pray, Lord God Almighty, for the lot of us who are dealing with one level of competition, conflict, discord, that in the name of Jesus, let it be broken. All these conflicts, let it come to an end. Help us, oh Lord, to be mature Christians. Lord God, we don't want to walk in negativity. We don't want to walk in pain, Lord. We want to walk in freedom, Lord. Help us to do it in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray for a fresh wind upon the Gap Church, a wind of unity, a wind, oh God, a wind of unity and being in one accord, Lord. And I pray, oh God Almighty, that nothing, oh God, will come into this atmosphere and destroy what we are building. Father God, we give you all the honor, the praise, and the adoration. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise if you learned something. Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text safe to 817-381-5353. Again, text safe to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.